0: Welcome to the Audacious Intent Podcast with Imani Harris. This podcast is for the visionary woman who is ready to create the flexibility and freedom they desire by standing boldly in their authority. I can't wait to share tips and inspiration to keep you pressing forward in your journey so you can continue to shine as the queen that you are. All right, queen. Let's dive on into today's All topic. Right.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of the podcast. As you guys know, I've been on this journey of having guests so that you're not just listening to me, right? I know you love my voice, I get that, but there's nothing better than having someone on the podcast with you to just share your knowledge, share your expertise, share your journey so that you can give another perspective. I always say I don't want to be the smartest person in the room, I don't want to be just the mouthpiece, I want to bring other people in with their different expertise to not only just share what they are doing, but also share my platform with them. Because you never know, someone listening today, they could make really benefit from the person who I have on the podcast this week. And so, guys, this is exciting. This is my first gentleman on the podcast. So he has to get some props for that being number one, being brave. And I just want you guys to say a warm welcome to Mr. Bo. How are you doing, Bo?
2: I'm doing wonderful, Mani. Thank you for that very nice intro. And it's, it's a pleasure to be here with you. And hello to everyone listening to this.
1: Awesome. It is definitely a pleasure to have you. So you talk about how you do a lot of educational content sharing. Could you go into that a little bit more to explain that to the audience?
2: Absolutely. So that's what uh, my company is. We're called Soul Academy. It's S O L C A D E M Y dot com, and we are an ecosystem for sharing educational resources. You think of a high school where you live in Georgia. There might be ten science teachers all giving the same lesson, creating the same content essentially ten times over. And what you can do on Soul Academy is collaborate with other teachers to use their content and they can use your content. So instead of 10 teachers doing the same thing 10 times, 10 teachers only do everything once. So it greatly reduces the amount of time that they spend creating content, but more importantly, looking for content. Because on average, teachers are spending between 5 and 15 hours every single week looking for content to support that instruction. And so by collaborating, we believe we can bring that down to maybe 5 to 15 minutes per week. Wow.
1: Okay. Wow. Where were you when I was going through school? I'm sure my teachers would have loved having something like this available. So is it only just for fellow teachers or can other people also contribute their um, information to be used in the education system?
2: That is a really wonderful question. So when I started off, I thought it was just going to be a teacher tool. But then, of course, things have really changed over the last year. And lots of people have value and things that they can teach about. And, I, what, and speaking with students, I learned they want to learn a lot about real-life skills. They want to learn how to manage their credit and start a business and get into a relationship, and all these sorts of things that you learn in the real world that aren't necessarily taught in traditional schools. So we're an educational platform. And what is educational? Well, you know it when you see it. If you can watch that video and learn something from it, then we believe it belongs on Soul Academy. But if it's just purely for entertainment, we believe there's other platforms for that. So when it comes to mindfulness, self-care, uh, mental health behavioral health anything like that this is very valuable educational material and we would love to have it on soul academy
1: okay i'm loving that too guys because you know growing up you weren't taught anything about finance i didn't know finance until i went into college and by that time it was a little too late um, <laughs> you know how to properly communicate you don't learn that until college which is a little bit too late Because you're really trying to find where you fit in in high school. I know that's how it was for me. And then you go off to college and you're still going through that journey of finding yourself. So to really have, I would say, kind of like a holistic ecosystem, in a sense, and having all the different types of information available, I think that's really beneficial to students as well as teachers. Because I'm sure you guys are very sure that the information is legit and it's not, as we say, the quote unquote, fake news. So you're making sure you're providing the best content. How has that really benefited those who participate in the platform?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the biggest thing that a teacher can do for any student is spark their joy of learning. You know, this younger generation is so autonomous. They take so much control over everything that we do uh, that they do. You just got to give them the right tools. So that is really what we try to bring on Soul Academy is just give them a place where they can go find high quality educational content. You know, try looking for this stuff on YouTube. You just never know what you're going to find and whether the person actually has a clue about what they're talking or not uh, but when you come to soul academy you know that it's been curated it's been vetted by other students by other parents by other teachers that these people at least know what they're talking about because we take off quite honestly, material that doesn't, you know, if someone reports it as saying, hey, the information here is inaccurate, then it doesn't belong on Academy because it's not educational, like I said, right? So that is, you know, just that alone puts us in a completely different space, having the ability to rely on something and a content source that you know what you're going to get there is valid. And it's coming from real teachers, right? Real educators, not just someone with a camera in their living room.
1: Yes, because everybody can be a star overnight Mm -hmm. with just a camera in their room. But I think that that is so beneficial is to have that type of resource available because so often it's the resources that are lacking, especially in certain neighborhoods and areas, that that's why they don't get the same type of opportunities because it's not available to them. Or, like you're saying, you can go on Google, you can go on Pinterest, you can go on YouTube and get overwhelmed by all the information, but not really knowing does it apply to you? Is it legit or is it basically just based on someone's opinion? So on the platform, do you also provide like accountability in a community as well? Or is it solely just the education it's information itself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this is one other, and it's a big focus for us, is how do we determine what is high quality content? Well, it's really easy when all you're thinking about is the number of views because you want to serve ads. And that's what TikTok and YouTube are for. They just look at the number of views. But for us, it's much more than that. Yes, it needs to be entertaining, but it also needs to be educational. And the best way that we've come up with determining if a video is educational is by forming an academic council. So we work with actual teachers, credentialed teachers all across the United States and soon to be in many countries around the world who will watch the content that hits a certain threshold of views and then score it and basically say, hey, this is like highly informational. This is highly educational or it's not. And it will be very clearly distinguished the, um, you know, the level and the quality of the educational content in each video. And we're going to have the ability for you to sort and say, you know what, I just want to see things that are more entertaining. That's fine. But if I'm really trying to study for my exam, you know, I have a big uh, assessment coming up. You need things that are more educational. and You'll be able to sort according to those two criteria.
1: I love that, that you have more control over what information you want to see. Now, with Soul Academy, is it already integrated in certain health, in certain education systems, or is it something that's kind of like a resource that teachers are just unaware of?
2: It's a little bit of both, and we are very new, so we're continuing to grow out our partnerships and our integrations. Right now, we're integrated with tools like Google Classroom and Microsoft Teams to make it easy for teachers to use. We also have the Common Core standards, as well as the Texas State standards for academics built into the platform. So if you're teaching, I know in Georgia, they use Common Core. If you're teaching to a specific part of the Common Core, you can very easily find lessons associated with that same code in the Common Core. Uh, we'll be expanding into other states like Virginia and DC, or sorry, Virginia, uh, Louisiana, Florida, and other countries as well. We're working with uh, India, with uh, Nigeria, Malaysia, and a few other countries to get their standards into the platform. At the end of the day, we want to make it as easy and as fast as possible for you to find exactly the content that you're looking for, no matter where you are on earth. So if you have any other ideas for us to make that even easier for you, please send them our way. We'd be happy to incorporate those as well.
1: I love that. Now, for the Soul Academy, does it focus more on secondary education, or are there also some college-level components in it as well?
2: Yeah, so when I started out building Soul Academy, my I was told by many teachers that you should really focus on the ages basically 12 to 15, because that's the point. It's like your last chance to help the student when they're going to determine their academic journey's path. Right, It's like really going down this path or this path, and you got to really catch them before age 15. So that's where we started. But since I've been working with more teachers and educators, you know, the number one thing they want to do is teach to other teachers. They want to teach about subjects like black history, right? How do you teach black history if you don't have a black a Black teacher in your entire high school, right? Things yeah. like this. So, And I've been working with school leaders, and they want to talk about, you know, how do you start a DEI program in your school? Well, if you have no experience with diversity, equity, inclusion, you might not know how to do that. So we need to have content for the school leaders. So while there is lots of content for students um, in all grade levels and going into higher education, there's also content for parents, for school leaders, for teachers, basically anyone who's involved in that educational ecosystem. They should all be able to come to the same place on Academy.
1: That is really great what you guys are doing. And I think it's very key just with what we're going through right now, what everyone is seeing on a mass level now that we do have social media and everyone has a camera on their phone. And it's really being able to have those difficult conversations as well as to have that right information available. So I know you talk about that is especially for black and brown learners. Tell us why that is so passionate for you
2: yeah well absolutely I mean this is my origin story, right I mean, I grew up in a cross cultural environment um where I grew up in my town was it was very large african american population latinx population, and white population were all very integrated. I thought that was normal uh but then when I started going into the real world, I was living in Southern California. you see like segregation, just call it what it is um and where a lot of the black and brown students were learning, you know, there's the quality of instruction, the quality of facilities. It was nothing like the, you know, the the predominantly white and predominantly Asian areas, you know, is like really drastic disparity. And we're talking about in the space of like 10, 15 miles away, right? We're not talking about from first world country to third world country. I'm talking about from Santa Monica to Long Beach, California. Okay, this is not a big difference. And I think that's totally unacceptable in today's world where everything is accessible online. When a child goes on TikTok, it doesn't matter where in the U.S. they live or what their parents' background looks like. Or the you know the color of their skin, they can blow up and become you know just as famous as anyone, but when they go into a school now we 're holding them back with the systemic you know issues that we have in our educational system that dates back hundreds of years. So now in 2021, it's important that we step past that. And we have to be honest and say, okay, a lot of people, specifically black and brown people in this country have been held back because they haven't had access to the resources that they need to do well in school. So that's where we start. And I'm starting by recruiting black and brown teachers, because as soon as that child sees somebody who looks like them, All of a sudden, they're going to be interested in that history lesson or that social studies or science or whatever it is. All of a sudden, these things like, oh, someone who looks like me can teach me this subject? Yes. You know, the data proves that if a black student has a black teacher by second grade, they're 17% more likely to go to college. If they have two, they're 33% more likely to go to college. But we're going to take it a step further. And we're going to say, yes, we're going to get all our black and brown students into college through this culturally responsive uh pedagogy, but you know what? We're going to take it a step further than that because I want to see what all non-black and brown students do when they have a black and brown teacher. See, this is the effect that I'm really trying to create, is that black and brown teachers are amazing, and all teachers are amazing, don't get me wrong, but we need to bring that model of success, of intelligence, of accomplishment, of mentorship that a teacher has to every student in the United States and around the world. That's the effect that I'm really excited about, Imani.
1: Wow. I was about to say, please pass the offering plate because that was like a sermon. I was like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Come bring the off replay because he was on. He was like on it. He was right there in the pocket, and you can tell by just person's tone just how passionate they are. I I know that I looked at a series on YouTube by Vox Media, and they talked about the different types of racial disparity, also like in the neighborhoods, in your school system, even in healthcare, and I'm in healthcare, and it actually made me open my eyes a little bit more. Like, wait a minute, they're actually right. And I think I was a little more better off than some other people. And I was complaining about being in Colorado Springs which it was a military town. But it was the same thing that you mentioned was that you knew what side of town you were on. There was the black school district. There was the white school district. There was the black mall. There was the white mall. It was just very in your face. But in the same instance, I still was afforded the opportunities because of how I was raised. It was all about education first. So I knew how to, in a sense, we had to learn how to play the role. To make sure that we can get the access without being considered by our skin tone. Because I know that was so hard for me because people hear me on the television, on the TV, or they hear me on the phone. They're like, oh, she's a white person. But then when I get in mm-hmm. person, they're like, oh, wow, you talk so cultured." Not everyone talks like they're from the hood, and even if they are, they all don't talk that way either. So I think that is so important that we got to kind of break down those disparities of assumptions and thinking just because those few do it doesn't mean the whole population of that culture or region does that. Absolutely,
2: and for a lot of people, this will be their first experience with an educated African-American or an educated Latinx-American, quite honestly. I mean, if you go around the United States, like – They just don't live everywhere. So I don't necessarily fault people for what they don't know. But that is no longer acceptable. Like we have to show a positive model of African-Americans, of Latinx Americans to everyone in this country. And I love entertainment. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful. It's an important part of life. But now we've got to take it into academia. Now we've got to turn it into mentorship. Like, wow, you said you mentioned in healthcare. you know, how many black – Doctor mentors are there outside of, you know, metropolitan Atlanta, right? And if you are, if you want to become a doctor and you live in, say, I don't know, Eastern Oregon, uh, you should have a, you, an option at least to have an African American mentor, right? Uh, and now we just, we just need to bring those models of success to everyone. I believe as soon as we do, we're going to eliminate just the lack of knowledge. I mean, uh, that's the thing. Like once you see that, yeah, black people, brown people can be, can be very intelligent. They can be well spoken. They can be successful. They can have money. They can be responsible. They can do all these things. All of a sudden, you know, your prejudices for the vast majority of people, they're going to go away because they're confronted with facts and reality. And it's very hard to deny. I know we try to deny reality a lot of times, but <laughs> it is undeniable when it has a personal impact. Like, Hey, I want to become a doctor. My mentor was a you know a black doctor. Oh, that that person is not going to think you know along the ways of of some people who may not have that same experience.
1: Absolutely, and I think also too another thing that has to be addressed as well is the bias within our own cultures. You know, a lot of bias I dealt with being in a mostly black school. Then I went to the mostly white school. Was that. The black kids always looked at me as, oh, I thought I was better than them because I talked with such addiction. And so it was always, oh, well, you're not black enough. Well, what is the standard of black enough? Is there a Mm -hmm. quiz for that? But then I also noticed even on the entrepreneurial side, too, there's a lot of scarcity and we're not wanting to come together and help each other, you know? And it's like, we can't just stay in our respective corners of the ring and think that everything's going to evolve differently. We actually have a bigger impact and voice if we all came together. Because then we could help more people because it's an amplified mission than just us on our own. It's such a bigger impact. And so I think that you're starting at the educational, secondary educational level is going to really be key in that and helping to dispel those disparities and limiting beliefs, really. What are your thoughts on that?
2: You know, we all start off life with no concept of identity. And then as we go through our childhood, we take things that we see outside and we reflect it back to become our internal identity. And if all you see is, you know, uh, not positive things, you're probably not going to feel that great about yourself. But when you start to see positive things and people who look like you who are doing really awesome things, you're going to feel great about yourself. So I think that we can turn the narrative on that very, very quickly. With the younger generation, it's going to be very hard to unbed the, you know, decades and generational mindsets of older generations. I get it. But I think with the younger generation, we can start building that very positive self-identity and, like, communal uh, racial uh, class identity that's a positive model. Like, just because of the color of my skin doesn't mean I should lessen my dreams, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is this younger generation is growing up with an abundance mindset that previous generations did not have. In our generation, I'm assuming you and I are in a similar generation, there was very few limited spots of success. Only so many people could become doctors. Only so many people could co- go to Harvard. Only so many people could make the MBA or whatever your dream was. But now there is an infinite amount of people who can be successful in online marketplaces, in TikTok you know, in YouTube, in social media influencing. Just the internet has created so much abundance that anyone can really make it, whether they go to school or not, that these children aren't faced with the same concept of limitation that we were and scarcity, which I think drove a lot of competitiveness. It's like, hey, only one of us black people is going to get into Harvard. So it's got to be you or me who gets in. That's not how the younger generation thinks. It's if I help you and you help me, we can both collaborate to grow our audiences and have more influence. So I'm very, very optimistic about changing that narrative for younger people of color.
1: I absolutely agree with that because I know growing up in the 80s, you know, didn't know too much about the computer until the Commodore 64 came out and the wall, you know, the phone was still attached to the wall and you had the extra long cord. You tried to get into the living room so you could actually sit down. So growing up, being from a West Indian family, there was only three things you need to do. Go to school, graduate, go to college, get a job. Entrepreneurship was not even part of the equation. In fact, it looked you like you were crazy if you even said, oh, no, I don't want to go to college. Excuse you? you. You know, but now, like you said, there's so much going on with online learning, online businesses, especially due to the pandemic. There's more access to opportunities because we have the internet. It's just, we have to be so key and intentional about what we are watching and what we're looking at because there's the good and then there's also the bad. I mean, so you have to be very aware of all that. But I think what you're doing, that's providing the right structure so that, hey, when you know better, you do better. And now let's pay it forward and pass on to the next person that can also help us with that. So I just think that is really awesome. So I know that you put your little fun fact on here. So how did spending a year traveling Colombia and Brazil help you and tie into what you do for others?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Well, the first thing that you're going to, and this may come as a surprise, but when you go to Colombia and Brazil, most of the people look like me. Right. I'm like a light skinned black guy like there. There are so many African um, descendants in those two countries. It's amazing. So, you know, when we're American, we think about African-Americans, but the African diaspora is a global thing. I mean, there are descendants of Africans all over and in many, many countries and in Colombia and Brazil, there's millions. And they just have a very different take on what it means to be African descended. You know, they really have that connection to Africa, which I love. It's such a beautiful culture and warm. And quite honestly, they're a lot more cohesive. You know, it's a lot more about community and family. And actually, we're all part of the same family. So I just love that, you know, because here in America, it's a very much like a dog eat dog society. It's like extremely hyper competitive. You know, you're trying to keep up with what your neighbors have. And, you know, only so many of us are going to be rich and and this sort of thing. But when you go to Latin America, especially in the African, like the Afro-Latino communities, they don't have that same competitiveness. And it feels like you're much more supported. You know, they want to see you do well because you represent everybody. It's not just about you and your immediate family. So I encourage everyone who is part of the African diaspora to learn about the cultures in different African nations and see how rich and beautiful and warm and caring and supportive they are. They are nothing like the society that we live in today. I mean, they are not, and I've seen it firsthand. So just picking up on that, you know, like, Amani, I want you to do well, not just because we look alike, but I care about you as, as a human being. Now, the fact that we do both come from the same lineage at some point, I might help you out a little bit more. I might care. I'd be a little more invested in you only because I know what you and your ancestors have been through. And that means something to me. Right. So that's one of the things I learned.
1: That's awesome. I think that's very key that we get comfortable being uncomfortable and stretching ourselves outside of what. We see within our own communities because there are so many different aspects. There's so many different rich cultures and even different subgroups within cultures that we're not really access to here. You know, so if we go outside of our comfort zone and actually immerse ourselves, like a lot of people go to Africa, you went to Colombia and Brazil, you're going to see a whole different mentality, even the Caribbean, a whole different mentality than what we face here. So definitely before we end this episode, how can people get in touch with you to also learn more about the platform and potentially contribute to it?
2: Yes. So anyone can go to our website. It's Soul Academy. That's dot com, And then go to your favorite social platform of choice and find us at the same name. It's dot com. I use Telegram all the time. It's a chat app. It's kind of like WhatsApp. Uh, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the time. You name it. And truly, one of my biggest joys is connecting with people like you, Amani, learning a little bit about your experience, and because everyone went to school at some time, and so I'm picking up little nuggets of information. I want to know what it was like for you to go from that white school to the black school you know, and the different experiences, because that helps me prevent another student from having to go through that. So I encourage anyone who hears this, please contact me. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to know about your journey, and yes, I'd love to get you involved with Silk Academy.
1: Awesome. Well, I just want to thank both so much for taking the time to be on this week's episode. Guys, you got his information. Please be sure to tap in because as we help and serve one another, we are able to in turn help so many more people at a greater impact and level. So I hope that something resonated with you this week and we'd love to hear from you. So just thank you for everything that you do and know continue to shine and soar in all that you do. Take care, everyone.
0: This has been the Audacious Intent Podcast with Imani Harris. Thank you so much for joining. I hope that what you heard today was helpful to you. If you have feedback on today's episode, feel free to message hello at audaciouslymade.com. I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to join me again next time for another episode of Education and Empowerment to Stand Boldly in Your Life and Business. Thanks for listening and continue to shine in everything you do.